Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today. Welcome back to the Detroit is Different podcast studios. Kari Frazier here in live effect. And this is a day that is snowing in April, as the man from Minnesota once said. And sometimes that happens. And as it happens with the change of the season comes so much more. And I'm talking about so much more the creativity. That's what Detroit is Different is about. And it's also the connection to the people I know that are most creative. And here today is one of my closest friends, uh, somebody very creative, somebody expressive. Uh, he shared so much about the album that he did with Bodie James, the main draw McNichols album that has received national and international appeal and acclaim. Uh, but he also is another type of artist. Uh, and he wouldn't even call himself an artist per se, but expression is his thing. Creativity is his lane. Sterling Toes, how you doing today? What up, dog, man? <laughs> Everything's cool, my brother. Everything's yeah. cool. So uh, you're here today because we're going to introduce and we're going to speak a little bit about an exhibit that you have. You have a showing mm -hmm. uh, currently at the MOCAD. Uh, mm -hmm. This is your visual art. Uh, visual art is part of the disciplines and your offering of what you share through creativity to right. everybody in the world. So. Right. Uh, let's open up. Let's talk a little bit about this. What is this showing? What is it about? What's what's happening with it? Yeah, man. So um, this came about rather quickly, uh, mm -hmm. quickly and not quickly. So um, I have a friend I met uh, a while back named Jova Lynn, who was an artist and curator. Actually, when I met Jova, Jova wasn't a curator. Jova was a... Uh, kind of coming to the city on the activist organizing tip, you know, and um, ended up going to Cranbrook and, you know, doing the art thing. And so uh, she uh, ultimately became head curator at the MOCAD and was talking to another artist named Nep Sidhu from Toronto, actually. And, and Nep was kind of like into my music, actually. Mm -hmm. And, uh, they were having a conversation about who they felt should show uh, show there before they went on a break, and uh, my name came up. And so that started a conversation about me potentially doing that. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, some time rolled by. I didn't think it was going to happen, and uh, which I was cool with. And then, lo and behold, uh, they're like, yeah, we, we want to move ahead with it. And so... Um, so basically it was like I hit the ground running kind of like I, I was I was uh, kind of still kind of in my music zone at the time. And I'm like, well, I'm going to do something. I have to create all new work. So um, basically everything in this exhibition is stuff that I've done over within the last month. All right. So. Yeah. Exhibition, mocad, curator, it's a lot of stuff coming up. Right, so yeah, first, yeah, let's yeah. unpack a lot of this yeah, yeah. as I'm not as familiar with the sure. visual art world. Yeah, um, yeah. I know it from a perspective of like someone that's way more casual, uh, maybe even less. I don't know what what's less than casual. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? You know, I, I mean, I mean, less than casual. Like to me, it's still somebody that has the ability to. To, to love and enjoy art. I think mm -hmm. I think um what's kind of failed is 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 the connection between, you know, uh you know, these institutions and places and, and, and regular folk. But 
um, I think, you know, like I always see like people, you like going into galleries or museums and it's like they feel like they can't figure out what the piece is about. Like, you know what I'm saying? Like they bad at, they bad at art or, or mm-hmm. whatever. But really it comes down to what you feel, you know. And um, and so in this realm of like, you know, places that, that show and display art, typically those shows are put together by people um, called curators that are kind of essentially like A&Rs are in the music business, right? Mm-hmm. So like the A&Rs are finding talent. Uh, it may be like that the label may have a certain sensibility and so they find artists with that kind of sensibility that may fit in, you know, and then may look at the, the artist's work and, and, and kind of be like, uh, you know, do this, this, that, or the other, whatever, in some cases, you know. Mm-hmm. Um, the case for me, I appreciate it. She just stood out the way and let me do my thing, <laughs> which is the only way that could have happened, you know. But um, so a lot of times it's like they're, they're actually um, responsible for um, creating the vibe or aesthetic within a particular place. So it's unique because like many industries, uh, art is definitely one of those things that is so riddled. You have a, it's like you have the artist, you have the general public, right? And then you have this industry that exists. Right. And that industry kind of is, it's like a disconnect sometimes between definitely the general public, but even the artists themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, as You mean between the artists and the public? The artists and the institution. The institution is, yeah. is kind of built on like one, I guess, principle. Right. The artist right. has their principles. Right. The audience and right. the general public has their principles. And then right. I guess you also have like, I guess the art enthusiast yeah. or the art collector right. that has a different principle. Right. And so much of this was more so revealed to me in the recent bankruptcy of the city of Detroit. Right, right. Uh, as the city of Detroit's assets through the bankruptcy, um, so much was taken away. Uh, right. and, and my godmother would definitely say that's an illegal bankruptcy. And many people is, is so much that, to show that uh, godmother Joanne Watson, honorable Joanne Watson. But during this time, a lot of assets were stripped. Mm -hmm. One of the key assets that remained was the DIA. And a lot of these pieces from like Picasso and Monet, um, you know, I forget what's the other guy, like where the face will be looking this way and then that way or whatever. But (laughs) you know, that's how I see it. You know what I'm saying? Like, like I say, I'm general. So like my favorite art is like, Static shot comic book, uh, yeah. you know, <laughs> the the intro to Good Times painting, you know yeah. what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I like and stuff that's all like that, beautiful, you know? You know? And, and that's the thing, man. It's like, I, I think we have to kind of differentiate, like, the art commerce from, like, the experience of art. Mm-hmm. And what's considered high art a lot of times is what it is because particular people have placed a certain value on it, mm-hmm. you know. Um, that doesn't negate, like, to me, the the the, the meaningfulness of, of, of um, you know, any any kind of art, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but 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 I but I think though a lot of times, um, 
that space of art commerce can be so rooted in in things that aren't necessarily about um, expression, but more so about who said it and the context in which it's said and all of those things, you know. Which kind of brings me back to completing that thought and that process. Like yeah. the DIA, yeah, yeah. those assets are worth millions of dollars. Yeah, yeah. Uh, owned in a city predominantly of black people. Right. You know, um, overwhelming majority black people, right, like right. 85% black. So you right, have right. Detroit and you have this institution, the DIA, that me as a as a Detroiter just never really felt welcome in those doors. For sure. Uh, so the DIA is living in this dual reality facing this bankruptcy, which mm-hmm. kind of is another cause of the spirals of the systemic racism that exists in the in, in infrastructure of the American institution oh, absolutely. that collapses here. Oh, absolutely. But now it's like, wait, it's this one asset where we care about right, this right. DIA asset. Right. So that immediately moved for, for people to watch. Like it, the DIA thing was, was unique because it became regional mm-hmm. immediately. So like all these other assets, mm-hmm that Detroit lost, uh, particularly like a lot of people that worked decades for the city lost their pensions. Right. Uh, other assets were shared and just sold, right. sold off. Uh, you know, uh, some of the trolley systems that were here and, mm-hmm. and other assets just that won't come back. Yeah. But the one thing that was protected was these pieces of art right. that even as a Detroiter, I, I, you know, I could count on my hands the times right. that I've gone to the DIA. Yeah. And this also, I think, triggered an exhibit that welcomed yeah. the people. Yeah. Especially people like me and you, hip yeah. Detroit hip hoppers, because yeah. this it was a it yeah. was a hip hop exhibit at the DIA yeah. that was extended over yeah. and over and over and over again, where mm-hmm. it may almost be a permanent fixture. Now, right. one of the one of the biggest, I don't know about money per se but definitely it welcomed more people in the doors of the dia that never have gone there right and it was a series of photographs of a lot of detroit hip-hop artists yeah uh and people that have influenced hip-hop like piper carter and fiddler uh but also like uh you know shout out detroit is different family like lola damone uh seven in general like a lot of these people were covered in this photography exhibit through hip hop that and, and mm-hmm. it welcomed people in the doors of the DIA yeah. where it just felt so unique because this this is an institution yeah. that's set right here in the center of yeah. Detroit for so long. Yeah. But we never even felt like it like it, you know, it never was explicitly like a, you know, no Detroiters here or like it, it wasn't like a Jim Crow sign. Yeah. But the the tenants of everything around it basically said this we're excluded from this institution where something happened and shifted the minute that this thing became regionalized and more inclusiveness was needed to in this in this sacred quote-unquote space that was exclusive and excluded a lot of black detroiters now is working to welcoming black detroiters Mm -hmm. and it's many other art institutions that have dealt with these same types of things as art right now is shifting and welcoming in voices, spaces, places that were excluded. And we even see it as, as the Imnandi gallery getting more of a platform. Yeah, I, I mean, I think it's everybody, though. Like, it's not just the art world. It's, yeah. it's, I mean, you know, institutions in in any realm in, mm-hmm. in this culture is is in that same place. You know, if you look at, like, the... the uh, glass ceiling for 
uh, designers in the fashion industry, right? Mm -hmm. And then for like a person like Virgil Abloh to actually uh, be a head designer or whatever his official title was for Louis Vuitton, mm -hmm. like that had never happened before. Yeah. And part of the reason that happened was because they had to acknowledge how now it's a whole new generation of people that previously would have just been into say, like, um, quote unquote, high fashion, were very much uh, fans of streetwear, mm -hmm. and so it's like the 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 impact of young black people in this country over the last fifty years or so, um, and just black people in general has shifted cultural consciousness to where a lot of times, um, at some point, you have to acknowledge that. Uh, the 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 street is the streets are the epicenter of of culture, mm -hmm. uh, <laughs> you know, in the world right now, you know. So whether it's you know like whether it's uh you know Virgil with Louis Vuitton or or you know like you 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 see the uh, you know uh, you know that, that that point you know it's a point where it was like the the, the hip hopification of the the NBA and like. Mm -hmm. In all these different realms, it's, it's sort of like understanding that like everybody's children are growing up being influenced by, you know, what we've created, you know, in in this in 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 this country, you know. So, I think for any institution to continue to move in the way that it has moved, based on what was systemically in place before, they recognize at some point they're going to crumble, mm -hmm. because. The, the the cultural consciousness is shifted from being rooted in the in in a lot of the 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 aesthetics and 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 sensibilities that were heralded in those spaces before you mm -hmm. know so in a lot of ways i feel like um you know it, 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 the beauty of it is like it's what's been created outside of these structures that's actually shifting Mm -hmm. these structures you know um and, and in a lot of ways too it's almost like they have to acknowledge it to maintain the position that they're in mm -hmm. you know because otherwise you know it, it it was it was no you know like uh it made me think think about uh you know like when when uh was it uh, Fresh Prince? Uh, Fresh Prince that got the Grammy or whatever, and they remember they they, they didn't want to acknowledge Grammy uh, rap mm -hmm. in the in the Grammy ceremony or whatever back mm -hmm. in the day, like you know. And now it's kind of like you know every year it's a hip hop artist you know headlining mm -hmm. the Grammys, you know Cardi B performing at the Grammys or or whatever, you know. Yeah. And so you know I, I think like the the power of our culture and its authenticity is 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 undeniable, you know. Um, but at the same time, I think it's also important that that we remain at the helm of how that expression gets articulated. You know? So, it, everything you're saying, I mean, it, it creates these opportunities. Mm -hmm, I, I mean, sure. I was speaking in the art industry, but you're right; it's in many other industries that definitely yeah. where culture is, is at the forefront. I mean, it's not as culture, much, right. I assume. Well, I don't know so much about like, I, I guess what I would consider more like static industrial industries, like, um, like, you know, 
concrete mixing. You know what I mean? Like it's like this is the hip hop way to concrete mix, but I'm sure it but, probably I mean, is but at, but some at the same perspective time, of like, it. But if you mm -hmm. think about it though, too, in some ways probably so because mm -hmm. because you know just because of the platforms that we've created ourselves to express and change. Um, a lot of long-standing ideologies of culture, you know, like all this stuff may change a person's a person that's in a position of higher sensibilities. I I agree. I, I mean, the the Super Bowl halftime show this past year was mm -hmm. a classic example of mm -hmm. that, which. Mm -hmm. I was indifferent. I'm like, I don't know whether this is a great show or <laughs> a bad show. Like, yeah. you know, I definitely know uh, the Detroit rapper being in that show yeah. was very yeah. pivotal in yeah. it being the Super Bowl halftime show because yeah. you still need to anchor, yeah. you know, some representation that's closer yeah. to where where the masses are yeah. in America. But just even that, like in in, in the mass appeal of what uh, – what Eminem has been mm -hmm. uh, ties right in the mix of so much of that. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. I, I I believe more more of the I guess language yeah. uh, and, and uh, like I just you're, you're right the cultural competency and mm -hmm. um, the way we relate That's... will connect and and things just become so much more understood. Right. You know what it's like, bro? Like, I'm so glad you said cultural competency. You ever, like, you ever, like, talk to somebody that was, like, knew they were standing on something that wasn't that right? And then you just kind of shut up and they just keep talking and they keep talking and they keep talking and they start hearing themselves and they realize, like, damn, like, I'm out of touch. <laughs> mm -hmm. Or, like, like, yeah, that, uh, I hear that. Uh, yeah. That, you know... And I feel like it's that same sort of thing with a lot of these institutions. It's like, yeah. you know, it's like, oh, wait a minute. Uh, the the life has, things have changed. And right. I guess life is always changing right. and in certain ways remaining the same. Right. But as, you know, I, I guess w when we think about the leaders of any industry right now, they mm -hmm. probably grew up listening to Dr. Dre and mm -hmm. Public Enemy. Absolutely. And Absolutely. You know, uh, two live crew, yeah. uh, salt and pepper, yeah. MC Light, like yeah. you know, and yeah. this is across the board. If yeah. if you're connecting to America and even foreigners coming to America, they're connecting to right. things through hip hop in imagery. Whereas it's so much different than what Motown was, yeah. and, and we look and we tip our hat to what Motown created, especially being Detroiters. But yeah. it was specifically. A branding yeah. where Barry Gordy was like, I want to create yeah. uh, with support of many others. Right. I want to create images of, yeah. of young black people right. that can be the music of young America, yeah. where it shows America that black people right. have the, for lack of a better term, do I want to say the, have the same... You know, we, we can't have the same standards and dignity mm -hmm. that white people have. Right, right. But even, th this is still based yeah. on the ideology and yeah. ideal yeah, yeah. of these white people having the standards and yeah. this ethic and this dignity right. because we're turning on the yeah. TV and looking yeah. at yeah. Or, or hearing these stories and reading, you know, we're reading... Uh, you know, Huckleberry Finn yeah. and, and Lever the Beaver. Like, we're going to create... <laughs> I mean, you're laughing, but that's that's essentially what... 
the packaging of what Motown yeah. was while you still had like a you still had like a a a a, a wave of like that James Brown mm-hmm. that mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying that uh I mean that, Jackie Wilson right yeah. like you had like a mix of like these like I guess I don't even know what you want to call that black <laughs> that black experience but James yeah. immediately comes to mind yeah. of like that's a little different yeah but you you know what i'm saying yeah, whereas yeah, yeah, hip hop was a connection where it's like nah we going right in and we stripping yeah everything and where you're tapping right into like what yeah. the james brown you don't have the yeah. you don't have the marvin gaye tammy Terrell option yeah for sure and and two i wanted to to go back a little bit and add to what you were saying but like think about this too mm-hmm. you you know we're talking about like how the culture has shifted because there are all these people in positions of power that grew up on hip hop. Mm-hmm. And even if you think about what's happening in inner cities now, like think about the early eighties, right? Mm-hmm. And how like all the movies were about the American dream. Like think mm-hmm. about the Steven Spielberg movies or what's his name, like John Lucas or whatever. Like where were they all set? They were all set in the suburbs. Yuppie. E. T. The the, like, the Yuppie as they say, what's that? The young yeah. What it was young upper upper middle class right. yeah. uh, American like the what yeah. was that the Breakfast Club group right. uh, was exactly. that John Cusack, All that was about uh, the, Molly Ringwald yes. who else was in that um uh I know yeah 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 uh, uh the dude that looked like Charlie Sheen yeah. <laughs> 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 right <laughs> But think about it like and that was that mm-hmm. was pre like mm-hmm. the stronghold of hip hop that was just before yeah. it, right Mm-hmm. And and the American dream was living in the suburbs, yeah, right. It, escaping the urban for the suburban and the mm-hmm. wide space and the wide streets and yeah, the garages attached to your cul-de-sacs. house and cul de sacs and all that. Yeah, and then hip hop happens, and now the next generation of people have no desire to like live in it. They're moving to the city now, and they're like, mm-hmm. you know what I'm saying? It's it's, it's the the idea is to live in an urban area and it's it's sexy and it's it's exciting and it's the, mm-hmm. like cuz i think in a lot of ways too like we've shifted the the narrative on 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 what it means to be in the inner city you know and and i used this. to i used to always think because i'm like a lot of those a lot of these same people grew up listening to I'm sure their favorite music was like I'm sure if we go to the I don't know like the biggest I don't know if we go to like a what a QAnon rally or something (laughs) 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 or or like a MAGA rally like you know what I'm saying or or here we go they just just listen to the kid rock Donald Donald Trump (laughs) no no I'm saying but when they were kids they were probably listening to like Donald Trump you know what I'm saying? Yeah. Uh, OJ's. And, and to me, yeah. that Philadelphia sound that the OJ's made, yeah, as yeah. much as I love the Detroit sound, yeah, I yeah. love it. But that it was something going, you know, you know, that the bass lines coming out of Philly was like, yeah. you know, money, too. money, money, money. You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. you know, and then like just the way they layer and they obviously took like a to lot me, of that. They, they were like know? a mixture of like stacks in Motown. Yeah, it's like they had the grittest stacks, but mm-hmm. they had the polish of Motown. It was like the best of both worlds, you know. Yeah, the, the Philly, mm-hmm. you know, the gambling huff stuff, you know. Yeah, so like, uh, but he was growing up. I'm sure when he was 
you know, I don't know, like in college or whatever, he's mm -hmm. bumping the OJs and mm -hmm. in that same, you know, the, the dramatics with this wild looking, talking about art, wild looking album cover of yeah. a monster, you know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, yeah. like I'm sure, so it's like, it's a shift, I guess, mm -hmm. that happens because culturally you still may listen to whatever this experience you may like the, you know the classic singing do the right thing who's your favorite basketball player who's mm -hmm. your favorite musician mm -hmm. prince mm -hmm. michael jordan mm -hmm. well, how do you look at me like this and it's like well they different mm -hmm. you know what i'm saying For like sure. i still think For that sure. it still can be like oh, a, absolutely. A, a, a a difference but i guess even with the cultural competency it still doesn't change the mm -hmm the the systemic view of right. certain things Absolutely. because as much as it was white Absolutely. families looking to go to the suburb it was black fa i mean black families black too. families well, were looking I, to go to the suburbs that's the thing. Like too. We, we, i mean everybody was drinking from the same water <laughs> you know what i'm saying yeah. of of of, <laughs> of uh, propaganda and conditioning you know what i'm saying like yeah. everybody you know like we you know like yeah like uh, black people was thinking the same thing like i'm about to get i'm about to get the hell out of here you know a lot of you know so it is we we learn it from the same place, you know. Yeah, and that's what makes art so unique because it's so subjective. And absolutely. And and that's what I think makes the call to action for any artist, yeah. but particularly black yeah. artists, so different. Yeah. Um, and, and your I, story uh, is unique from, you know, through Cass's visual art program. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and you've won many. You won awards in high school <laughs> connected to your art yeah. and, and like almost yeah. like connecting your interpretations yeah. of these pieces that the NAACP or different organizations requested. And you were like kind of just doing it as like class project type yeah, stuff. Yeah. So it was like, and that was crazy too. Cause like, yeah, like you said, you mentioned the, uh, the NAACP thing. Like some high school kid at the NAACP office, like two years in a row from winning the, the count, you know what I'm saying? Like, like brushing shoulders with Anthony and Coleman Young and all these people like from winning art contests. You know? And and that and then you go to CCS. Right. So uh Center for Creative Studies is a art college here in the city of Detroit. Mm -hmm. Uh it's definitely the premier art college internationally when it comes to design for the automotive industry. Mm -hmm. But along with that, it's just just any discipline of art. Like when we think of uh Shout out Gilda Snowden, mm -hmm. uh, yeah. you know, um, yeah. and, and so many other Sabrina, you, yeah. uh, Shifi, uh, yeah, you know, like Sydney, James, Sydney, uh, Cliff Perry, yep, Cliff, Cliff Harris, uh, uh man, Jay lot. Rainey. Yeah. I forgot to, I know Jay, Jay probably like throwing something like, boy, you better mention <laughs> Jay, Jay probably is thrown. A yeah. uh, a bottle of water at her uh, laptop right now. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, yeah, Asia Hamilton, like it was a bunch of people, bro. They got the the uh, gallery on Northwest Gallery, on, and, uh, and even to, uh, and, and even uh, man, Bob, Baba Wayne. Baba Wayne, yeah, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. A, a, a OG yeah. <laughs> in the mix of yeah, this, yeah. so. Like all of these artists, but yeah. it's a different pressure because CCS, mm -hmm. uh, black and white, but especially for black artists, can like oh, the subjectivity of it man. has drove people to like uh, drop out, oh, uh, heavy drug use, suicide, yeah. like yeah, just yeah. that pressure of getting yeah. these opportunities yeah, that yeah. right now you're unlocking and not necessarily, I don't want to say unwillingly, but you, your path is just different. 
than I'll some you of your contemporaries in that space. different because mm-hmm. going back to Cass, right? And this was, this is one of the most pivotal moments of my life to this day. I'd, uh, you know, I went to, to Texas my 10th grade year. Mm-hmm. So at Cass Tech, you have, you have your art, you know, basically you have like found whatever you choose, like is college prep basically. Mm-hmm. So you have a major at Cass. Mm-hmm. So my ninth grade year, I chose art and I had foundation art classes my ninth grade year. My 10th grade year, we moved to Texas. And I come back to Cass in the 11th grade and I missed a whole year of art classes. And so I walk into the classroom. I had this teacher named Mr. Smith. Um, and I, man, I, I love that dude so much. Like he, 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 he was so important to me. I walk into his class, I, I look around, everybody got all these gadgets and mm-hmm. sophisticated art contraptions that they're making stuff with. And I'm like intimidated. I'm like, oh my God, like I'm so far behind. You did. I'm like, you got to get me out of here. So I go to my counselor mm-hmm. and I say, hey man, uh, you got to take me out of art. He's like, why? I'm like, I'm I'm just too far behind. Like, I just miss too much. He was like, where am I going to put you? I'm like, I don't know, business or something. <laughs> and he was like, you got to go back. It's, nah. And so I was stuck there, and I said to myself, wait a minute. I've always loved making art since I was a kid. Like, it, it, it just made me feel beautiful. Like, I was always taping stuff together and, and, like, using hangers and cardboard. And, like, one time I remember, like, this is, like, right. This is, like, the like within the first season of the palace being built, right? Mm-hmm. And remember those uh, those uh, action figures called Star Lineup? It was, like, the athletes mm-hmm. and, the, yeah. you know, like, they ain't move no arms or nothing. Yeah, but it was yeah, just, yeah, like, yeah, they just yeah. be, like... <laughs> It, it was like Herschel yeah. Walker would be like this, yeah. and like it, you know, Dennis like Rodman to be like this, you it know. It was like the, the framework <laughs> of a bobblehead without the big bobble head. Right, right, right. <laughs> so I had a few of those, like piston ones. Mm-hmm. So I wanted to make a cardboard replica of the palace, mm-hmm. and so my father drove me all the way out from eight and seventy five to the palace, and we he parked in the parking lot. And he and we sat there while I drew basically like a blueprint of the entire mm-hmm. building. And then I took that home and then I actually made like a cardboard rep- replica mm-hmm. <laughs> of, uh, you know, and then you go, you know, and inside and I got the, mm-hmm. you know, remember the Fagos used to have the little metal caps mm-hmm. and you could like break off the little bottom ring. Mm-hmm. You know, so I break off the little bottom ring, and which they were orange because the caps were orange back then. And I like the rim. Yep, that was the <laughs> rim, and I had my little plexiglass that I taped it to, and I used the hanger as the the, the back support. Of mm-hmm. the, you know, and built the whole thing. Anyway, hmm. I was always doing it, and I said to myself, you know what? It doesn't matter if I'm the worst person in this department. Mm-hmm. I'm going to love doing this. I don't care if I get C's on everything or B's. I'm going to do the things that fulfill me. 
It don't matter where I end up, how people see it, how people look, if people laugh, I don't care. I'm just going to have a ball creating it. Mm-hmm. And then I noticed when I started doing that, my uh, Mr. Smith was just like, yeah. You know, and he sat me down and was like, I'm going to teach you how to paint. Hmm. He didn't teach, he didn't. He didn't sit people down, everybody down, and be like, I'm going to teach you how to paint. He was like, I'm, I'm going to teach you how to paint. We sat down, the whole class going on, doing whatever. He's sitting down with me, teaching me how to paint. Mm-hmm. Next thing you know, like I'm winning contests, this contest, that contest. And it taught me, like, your greatest power comes from you just doing what's in your heart to do. And I've kept that since. So... I don't have the art hustle. I'm not trying to show at a big museum or a big gallery. I don't give a shit. Mm. My thing has always been the joy of doing it freely and purely is worth whatever position me doing that puts me in. So the funny thing about it and you know, like it's 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 the Detroit thing and the Detroit way is is to move, to be open to moving autonomously. That's how we get down. And the funny thing about it is, even this situation came as a result of an artist who's a big artist, uh, like that's his career, uh, Neb Sidu from Toronto, and he became familiar with my work because I said to myself. I'm not trying to show in no galleries or no museums. I'm not putting no effort in doing that. We doing these records. And Mm -hmm. if I do 500 records and I do the artwork for that record, that's 500 people in my gallery. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? We do a thousand records. That's a thousand people in my gallery. So the record became my gallery. And it was because of the record that people saw my art, including him, and he's like, yeah, he needs to do his solo show. You dig what I'm saying? Mm. You know, so, you know, that's always been the thing to me, man. It's like, I would rather put my energy, uh, put my energy towards doing exactly what I want to do with limited resources than put my energy towards trying to get to a position of having infinite resources, but now creative limitations, hmm. you know. That's deep. Um, so when we think about this, the mm. showing, what's what's the title? What's what's the name? What's yeah, the background yeah. of that? So the, the title of the show is Shelves with a Question Mark, and the intention of it was to be more of a prompt than, than just the title. And the prompt being... I want people to, I would love for people to examine what it means to be human, what it means to be yourself, and what it means to like live within humanity. Mm-hmm. And so the title, if you, so it shelves, it shelves like a shelf you put on the wall with the H in parentheses and a question mark. So you take the H out of shelves, it shelves, right? Um, and the idea of that, so that's like a, a misspelled because it's not S H E L. What is it? Because shelves would be V E S. Right, right, <laughs> right, right, right. But it's like self. Right. 
So the, and and the two, H, right, right, you. and yeah, and it's selves plural because this is about all of us essentially, mm. you know. And I guess yeah, selves, selves is not uh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, the selves. Selves. It's <laughs> <laughs> like it's uh, <laughs> like, like Magic Johnson. It's yeah. like Irvin. We need to look at ourselves. And Magic. <laughs> <laughs> it's like Irvin was the family man. Magic. <laughs> Yeah. He was Showtime. So the selfs <laughs> of Urban and Magic. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. <laughs> Urban and Magic. That so, Larry yeah. Bird, that Larry Bird Magic documentary is hilarious. Oh man, it is. It is. And both of them are. Yes. But um but yeah, so so you think about shelves and how shelves become identified by what's placed on them. Mm-hmm. Right? So you got spices on the shelf is the spice shelf you got. Hats on the shelf is the hat shelf. You got cups on the shelf is the cup shelf. If you take those items off the shelf, what is the shelf? What's the identity of the shelf? Mm-hmm. And so when the we place talk, where the cups used to be. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> hey, yeah. And so if we think about trauma, pain, hurt guilt, regret, doubt, all these things that we can struggle with in life and are hindered by or impaired by. We move through life hoping and wanting to alleviate ourselves of those things at some point. Mm -hmm. But how do you say, get beyond your trauma when the identity that you have was born out of it and the identity that you refuse to let go of. So Mm -hmm. if you want to get rid of the thing that actually gave birth to how you see yourself and what you are, but you're not willing to let go of how you see yourself and what you are, then Mm -hmm. how do you let go of the trauma, the hurt, the pain, the guilt, the regret? It's a a symbiotic relationship. Right. So as they say, like you know, it comes with pain. Life's hard. You know, things. You, you know I, what? Is I, it? Yeah, I There's hate no all struggle. There's no progress. Yeah, without struggle. all that bullshit. So, <laughs> I, I think, I think you definitely are always dismissive of it. I, I believe that. Um, yeah. The I, we should get into why, but yeah, we go ahead. I think uh, you, you can define why, but I, I mm-hmm. personally, I mean, you know, and then you can give your why. Mm-hmm. I, I believe that. The struggle is the struggle is what we've married ourselves to in our mind. Absolutely. So it's it's Absolutely. it's moving into the space and moving out of our comfort and getting yeah. into the vulnerability go. of 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 the unknown. Yeah. Because it it, it you know what I mean. So like so so be, we we have these paths made Mm -hmm. i know i do like with what i'm building with detroit is different in this process it's like i see so much Mm -hmm. it was so beautiful to interview uh mama shu from avalon village mama Mm -hmm. shamayin and everything they're doing in avalon and and she was talking like yeah i used to sit sometimes and and close my eyes and envision the tennis courts the basketball court so much of this but then open my eyes and then people look at you and Mm -hmm. think you crazy because it's like hey it's like these half you know it's cars broken down it's Mm -hmm. it's all types it 
your vision is your vision. And mm -hmm. then the journey of getting there and the process of yeah. it. And then even how we internalize what that process looks like. Because yeah. sometimes that process could be, you know, we make it to be like, you know, it'll be 20 years. And in that 20 years, I expect this to happen and that to happen and this to happen. The plan rarely happens. Yeah. The way it does in our head, right. and the more the the more we have willingness to definitely still use what we've learned, but have a willingness to venture into that unknown, then then the appreciation and and and, and everything else pulls from it. Yeah. That struggle, I think, comes with the struggle comes with, like I say, we're married to these ideas of things happening a certain way, yeah. uh, things needing to be a certain way. Yeah. Uh, 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 and, and also the responses of other, like the, our emotions that we've like locked away till yeah. like, okay, once I get this, then this happens. Like yeah. once I get my final new payday, yeah. then I'm going to finally embrace being happy. Cause I'm going to yeah. be, you know, I got a new check <laughs> and then I'm going to get a new outfit <laughs> and I'm going to go to the club yeah. and I'm going to get, uh, yeah. I'm going to get some food that I, I can't yeah. buy right now and yeah. I'm going to just feel a certain way because I'm yeah. going to bite into, yeah. I don't know, whatever a person thinks, you know, I'm going to bite into the biggest lobster on earth and, and I want this, you know, whereas... And then it happened and then the same old feeling. doesn't because you haven't unlocked those emotions when you right. could have bit into that bologna sandwich yeah. with the lobster filling yeah. if you're unlocking what that emotion is. Yeah. Be, but it's the unknown because yeah. that that lobster is like the idea of the unknown. Yeah. Like this has to be a better concept. And that's the, I always looked at it like we go through our whole lives with a key, trying to unlock doors, mm -hmm. hoping that what we want is behind the door, and the safe is in us in the entire time. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? The the safe is in you. If I had this, if I had that, I mean, I'm my discipline. I would you know, feel this way, but yeah. that feeling is already inside of you. I mean dormant until you say it's okay to tap into it. And in, in so much of this design, and I'm I'm a firm yeah. believer, I mean, you know, I have a marketing firm. I, I've I've interest in marketing, which mm. marketing is in a lot of ways it's conditioning. It's yeah, yeah. it's it's angling, especially yeah, yeah. here in America, because you know, these are one of the vestiges of what Americanism and I don't even necessarily think it's just capitalism yeah, and like yeah. the bartering of things, but it's built on like stacking up the scarcity. So yeah. to stack up scarcity, you got to always feel like you're at lack of something Yeah, because, cool. you yeah. know, I mean, to, yeah. to literally feel like, okay, I need a new watch. I need a new house. I need a new car. I need a, when I get this new type of car, I need to drive certain types of places. You yeah. know what I'm saying? I got a Lamborghini. Yeah. So, you know, I'm, Am I just going to have a Lamborghini and just go to the yeah. corner store? No. Yeah. Now I got to go to Lamborghini places. What are these uh, yeah. places in my mind that I've made up Hell that yeah. you drive with the Lamborghini? Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So yeah. it's like, oh, are Lamborghini places in Detroit? No. Nah. So that means I got to ship my Lamborghini to New York, <laughs> Chicago, uh, Dubai. Yeah. I got to drive to Lamborghini places yeah. now that I got a Lamborghini. You yeah. know what I'm saying? It's like, So I've created all these ideas mm -hmm. of what value are how I perceive myself, right. what success is, right. these emotions that I'm thinking I'm going to unlock, right. where I could just be taking the bus. Absolutely. And tapping into all of that. Absolutely. I remember one time I was at the park with my father, and we sitting on the river. And he was like, he's like watching the boats from Gross Point passes. Mm -hmm. And he's like, they do all this stuff in life to 
to get to a certain place to get on a boat to do the same thing that we're doing, and that's staring at the river, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know. And so much of that is about two things, value and imagination. And so if you think about it, a four-year-old never gets bored because they have their imagination, right? And they have their imagination and they're able to access joy because they are never concerned with somebody appraising the value of their creativity. That's why you put a piece of paper in a four-year-old, in front of a four-year-old, and they're like, you put a piece of paper in front of a 20-year-old, and they're like, I'm not, I don't draw. I'm not an artist. I'm not creative, right? Um, But the thing is, I really feel that we have access to joy to the degree in which we have access to our creativity. And we lose that. And so what happens when we lose the ability to produce the way we would love to feel through our creativity, we we become reliant on other people and situations to make us feel that way now. And so we never become fulfilled within ourselves. And that's why we end up in so many relationships of codependency and unhealthy dynamics and and unhealthy situations because we need to do certain things to receive the way that we want to feel from an outside source because we've lost the connection to our creativity that will give us access to all those feelings that always live and exist inside of us all the time. So, So at that point in which we become disconnected, like it's downhill from there. You know, like I, I always like play with people sometimes when when people say I'm not creative and I'll be like but but you you say you believe in God like I do believe in God and I'm like do you feel like you have God in you and they'd be like yeah and I'll be like what do you call God and they'd be like uh the creator so I'm like if you say you ain't creative then you say it ain't no God in you. <laughs> <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Then you looking for the sky for for things to change, and it's like it's in you, you know. Mm-hmm. And so, and so, I, I think that that is it. Like going back to like institutions and art institutions in particular, they're placing a value on something. Mm-hmm. And then we can get excited about something ba- based on the value that's that's given to something. Yeah. And versus, like, us really in, engaging with the value of the way something feels for us. Like, me feeling the value of, of feeling beautiful. Not because this happened or because I did that or because I achieved this or because I got here or because I did that. Because so much of what you were talking about of like, I need to go through all these steps to get to this certain place is about trying to create a story for your life that tells you that you have value Mm -hmm. because you've been conditioned to believe that you don't have value because this whole system rooted in capitalism and consumerism needs you to be insecure. Yeah. So it's never going to be an advocate for your wholeness or your peace. So you're perpetually, by all the images that you're given and and receiving, given in every moment, like, 
is for you to feel a particular way, for you to need things versus exploring the infinite beauty of feelings that you can feel within yourself, you know, that's always there. But if I've been made to believe that I am not worth the feeling of joy, I'm not worth the feeling of bliss, I'm not worth the feeling of achievement until I do this, until I get this, until I have this, then to me, like, that's living perpetually in a state of disempowerment. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? And, and when you speak about living in disempowerment, that feeling, because as we engage, mm -hmm. can can become can become an emotion to explore, a, a thought sure. to explore. For sure. Uh, like, what was the trigger? What was uh -huh. what was the the what got me here? Now you're getting into the good stuff, yeah. you know? Because <laughs> even in defining what that is, yeah. the journey, the journey of creativity, that creative process, mm -hmm. is so natural in life, mm -hmm. and, and even creating different pivots, different ways, different routes, mm -hmm. uh, different opportunity. Mm -hmm. uh, what you see as an opportunity, what you see as failure. Uh, mm -hmm. What you see as success. Mm -hmm. uh, so some of that journey and definitely that steps in what you say, like you're looking to define what your story is. That story is the beauty of it all. Mm -hmm. It's it's the laughing at yourself. Mm -hmm. Like most times when people say, you you know, you're like oh, me. Yeah. Like people say, you always smiling. Half yeah. the time I'm laughing. Yeah. And like it's I, the yeah. laugh yeah, yeah. looks like a smile. And yeah. I'm usually laughing at myself yeah. like, damn, I did. I, 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 I like I was trying that. Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. Almost, like, I, I love, almost I got love a good joke about me. Like. Yeah. Like this is like it, it brings me joy, bro. <laughs> like 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 every once in a while, every blue moon, like Cliff would do an impression to me and it's like it's the funniest thing, dog. Like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> But but that's just it. Like I, we, we you know, we take stuff so serious, man, like mm -hmm. a, a lot of times and it's like really this is such a beautiful experience, bro. Like, regardless of what's happening. And I don't mean that that we stop doing the work that needs to be done to make sure things are are like just and healthy for 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 everybody. But like the whole while, man, it's like there's a majesty to all this. You know what I'm saying? Like you know, like even even a bad day is a good day, you know. Because it's, it's experience. Cause and, and even even in the work, because mm -hmm. yes, there it's a it's a lens in how you see the world. Like mm -hmm. even in the work of the most, I guess, mm -hmm. want to say inhumane conditions. Right. It still can be an ethic of uh, of joy found right. in that in right. in in the traumas connected right. to that. Right. Um, you know, hence I think some of our, you know, my relationship with all these comedians mm -hmm. and a lot of those, a lot of that comedy comes from oh, traumatic sure. experiences yeah, sure. and perspectives. Yeah. And that joy is like, you like, it's, it's that expression. It's we healing. laugh together. Yeah. It's yeah. Healing, and for bro. them, it's like, man, I, I did this. Bop, bop, yeah. bop, 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 yeah. you know? Yeah. Um, and, and it's like, man, I'm laughing at this, but. But it, it's like a take in, in the absurdity and mm -hmm. the discomfort of how we feel mm -hmm. and, and where it just breaks through and you start laughing. For sure. 
For sure. And that laugh is a release, mm-hmm. you know, and, and that's the beauty of it, you know. So, like, in this exhibition, I have a, a room that, for me, like, uh, in some ways, like, replicates the experience I think a lot of people feel in just going through life. Mm-hmm. And so it's a series of projections um, actually going through metal objects onto walls and, uh, you know, it's the images are of, like, a uh, basement of a building and it's, like, all these pipes and wires and, and, mm-hmm. and, and uh, you know, like, it's just a labyrinth of just, you know, you know how it is, like just these pipes and wires all overlapping mm-hmm. and going in all these different directions. And you realize you're you're in the epicenter of this structure where all the energy is being transferred. Or Freddy Krueger's about to, I'm just messing with you. <laughs> I, like, it, it's a little, I ain't gonna front, it's a little creepy when you see it. It's, it's like, is that Freddy? Hey, <laughs> yeah, it's a little, you know. Um, but... But the but it's also like going through this long corridor while you see all of these things. Mm-hmm. But anyway, it's going through these screens. And what's so dope about these screens is that mm-hmm. these metal screens are transparent enough to have the image go through it. Mm-hmm. But it's solid enough to hold an image. So not only can you see the image that's being projected onto the screen, you can also see still through it the projection on the wall because the projection still can go through it at the same time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's a a, a beautiful uh, metaphor for how we can live in the sense of like, you know, we can still be present, we can still reflect, but we can also still release. Well, you and, know. And um, oh, before you say that, mm-hmm. Um, but I, I forgot what I was gonna say. Not go ahead. <laughs> it's all good. I was just gonna say. Uh, I was gonna say like I always say. I think we're like prisms. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, in the way light can shine. Yeah, yeah. You, you know, like light mm-hmm. shines through us, mm-hmm. and then sometimes it'll be a shadow. Right. And then depending upon where our frame of reference is, we yeah. may focus more on the light, or we may yeah. focus more on the shadow. Yeah. You know, yeah. or we may look at both and still be asking ourselves, yeah. okay, why is it more light over here and yeah. less shadow or whatever? Yeah. You know, like, but I do think it can be reflective like that yeah. as my conversations with you, if people mm-hmm. aren't witnessing, you all see why we so cool. Like, <laughs> definitely can go from like hip hop to philosophy to comedy to basketball or whatever, but, mm-hmm. uh, and back to creativity and premise and, mm-hmm. and life, but mm-hmm. it also, it, it's a it's a reflection like we're social beings mm-hmm. it's it's a need as people to be right. social right. if it's anything that's so corrosive about this american lifestyle and, and i'm going to keep leaning more so towards american lifestyle more mm-hmm. so than even capitalism or democracy because yeah, yeah. they're all like offshoots because these yeah. definitions of american democracy and american capitalism are very corrosive For so sure. like this american premise of this yeah 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 a, a lot of it's built on this whole idea of this rugged individual mm-hmm. this this uh pioneer you you know what i mean this, this yeah. frontiering 
concept like that yeah. that's a premise yeah but so much of this nation in any nation and just society itself it we're we're social we have to connect with one another yeah. but it, it's it's like how with the conditioning of wanting to be so individualistic and to myself and yeah. hoarding and, and what's going to happen and and it's about building that legacy for my family and yeah. and, and ousting out uh everyone else like if that Mm -hmm. starts to become so corrosive from the inside sure. like i mean you know it's it's the story of scrooge you know what i'm saying <laughs> but that story of scrooge yeah. is real or the story yeah. of the grinch or yeah. like i mean some of these i mean some of these parables are, are like yeah. as old as time but they yeah. exist in as old as time yeah. or just even being a kid like playing outside when you get you know when you're a kid you play outside you get a brand new toy you're feeling like i just want to play with my toy mm-hmm but then you realize that it's not fun playing with your toys by yourself. For sure. And then you you be like, you know what? I'm gonna play with one of my friends. And then it's like, eh, it'd be a little <laughs> bit more fun if it's two of my friends. Eh. You know, that's why I think the richness of growing up over here, because there was so many other kids. Yeah, yeah. And I was interacting with so many people at a young age. That's why having a like it was amazing. That's why, like, as a kid growing up in a neighborhood. Having a room was the best thing you could do for your social experience. Because <laughs> everybody congregated at your house. <laughs> yeah, you and, and you, and it's so much, it, it adds depth. Yeah, yeah. Like, definitely was there, uh, were there times definitely having a room where you, you learn how to navigate interpersonal <laughs> conflict? Yes. You learn a lot about life. Mediation. But for, for all of the, for all of those things, yeah. it was such a strong trade-off for, like, the fun that you have. The fun, bro. And focusing on fun the and fun, energy man. would be so much fun. And we didn't have nothing, but you felt we felt like we had everything because we had each other, and we had a good time, you know? like, And that's the thing, man. It's like, is perspective like you said and, you know one thing i always think about is the connection between to me anger and disempowerment because it's so amazing that we supposedly you know like live in the most powerful country in the world but if i'm not mistaken it in some ways it seems like we live in the angriest place in the world too but we have all this external power but we have pursued external power at the expense of tapping into internal power. And so if you look at it, anger is often about being in a situation where something out of your control happened. And say it could be somebody that that uh, you feel like you need them to change or be different to experience peace. And that that feeling of disempowerment, like I need you or I need something outside of myself to be different and I have no power over that being different can often lead to, to anger, you know? And I think that so much of this is how we've been taught to interpret what happens. You know, like I was having a conversation with somebody the other day and Actually, at at the uh, at, at my exhibit uh, exhibit, and we we're talking about like how we learn how to feel, 
But we get to a point where we think what we feel is automatic. Like someone does this, it makes you feel this way. No, we learn to feel that way in that particular mm-hmm. circumstance. So, um, like, remember when you analogy. were a kid? I got an analogy for you. For yeah, kids. yeah, yeah. I think you go. You ever, you ever run and, like, hit, your, hit, hit yourself on the head or fall and trip around yeah. your dad when you were a kid? Yeah, 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 yeah. What was your dad's response? He didn't care. <laughs> that ever happened around like your honor, your yeah, mom. yeah. They like, ah, 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 ah. yeah, yeah. Now, <laughs> what was your response then? <laughs> right, right. Exactly. Exactly. It's like exactly. Exactly. Your dad looked like, and, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Whereas the conditioning, you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, and my yeah, yeah, for sure. And my example was. Remember when, like, somebody says something to you in school? Yeah. And you ain't like, and whatever. Mm-hmm. And then your boy's like, you going to let him just say that about you? Yeah, exactly. Two periods later, you, like, fuming, right? <laughs> <laughs> well, you ain't even care <laughs> in the beginning. Yeah. We were taught how to feel. I mean, not yeah. and, and not just feel even the responses to mm-hmm. these emotions, right? Um, right. And, and what is a proper response to right. an emotion? Right. Hence, you know, um, hence some of the contexts when we look at history, mm-hmm. when people look back at like how did this happen? How did that happen? I'm like, mm-hmm. I don't necessarily know if people knew. Like, they don't have the perspective and the take. Mm-hmm that we have of today of what was happening then as the, you know, you know it's, it's hence, this is the reality that I believe in, you know, mm-hmm. and this may, this is definitely from my business perspective of there are always trade-offs. Mm-hmm. It hits some of the overt and oppressive racism of back in the day mm-hmm. when I have talks with like my grandmother that's 91 years old, mm-hmm. Some of what she would say about growing up, growing up in, uh, you know, in in Arkansas, Mm -hmm. like in looking at things change for schools to be desegregated and Mm -hmm. what that was like living, like witnessing, watching this, knowing it. Our frame of reference is more like so different than what my grandma's perspective Mm-hmm. was mm-hmm. and she's very lucid now so like she can just speak frankly like mm-hmm. yeah i remember what it was like mm-hmm. you know and, and where to go and how things were it, it definitely was not uh you know like she she speaks about racism from a perspective of like it was it was an entity existing that she was very well aware of knew the danger of it, mm-hmm. but it was a uh, 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 I don't even want to say. I guess you could say she they they were accepting of it, mm-hmm. but they were understanding of it. That's mm-hmm. I guess what I want to say. Mm-hmm. The same way I guess we look at like energy right now mm-hmm. in the way that we're using energy, and we understand its impact on sustainability just moving forward for us as humankind. Right, right. You know, because sure. I'm sure if, you know 40 years from now, kids will be like. All right, so how much gas was y'all putting in cars? <laughs> and then we'd be like, well, <laughs> yeah. we we knew 
You know, I was a kid. I was watching Captain Planet when I was a kid. <laughs> I had a good understanding. <laughs> but it like is like a, 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 a and it's definitely not a, a accepting either. Because, I mean, it's definitely people mm. like solidarity and the work of solidarity. And, mm. you know, I, I mean, our Green Justice Warrior here, or Piper Carter, and so many others. Mm. But it's still an entity that's just here right. that we have that understanding for. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. and, and it hits a certain place where th- things are known. Mm-hmm. Uh, my my aunt that passed away, um, my aunt Shirley, uh, rest in peace, was a was a RN, mm-hmm. uh, and she was a RN at a early age, like even like back in you know back in like the early eighties. And this is like before news would travel and all of that stuff. And she would just tell me some of the old stories of some of the old RNs. Cause you know me, I like ta- having conversation. Hence I have a podcast. <laughs> and I say, I say, uh, it was when, um, I'm not going to get a name cause I don't want to go out there, but it was when like mm-hmm. a, 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 a artist passed away mm-hmm. and they said it was like a part failure. And I'm like, well, from what I know about the streets, you know, it was a little bit more than heart failure. I mean, that, that narcotic was strong in the mm-hmm. homie, you know. Mm-hmm. And what she said was, like, sometimes just due to life insurance and everything, if nurses know and we understand where things go, mm-hmm. not saying we'll falsify a record because it technically was a heart attack, mm-hmm. but we'll write it a certain way. And she said even back in the day, mm-hmm. it was a lot of horrific stuff that would happen. Mm-hmm. But we would write things up in a certain way to respect the family Mm-hmm. To respect the 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 you you know everybody else involved in this circumstance, mm-hmm. you know, so like we're looking at in this generation of you know these devices, mm-hmm. you know, it's no telling how long mass shootings may have been around, but a mass shooting that happens in 1940, mm-hmm. unless it's like Al Capone and the Saint Valentine's Day right. massacre right. on the Michigan Mile, where like you know the Chicago Tribune is like. Like the Chicago <laughs> Tribune guys, like downstairs looking like he's Superman. Like, oh my God, look at the <laughs> look at the Italian man shoot the other Italian man. You know what I'm saying? Like, you can't. You know what I'm saying? But like, if you're in backwoods Kentucky, yeah. the sheriff may show up and say, "All right, we not about to. We gotta write this up differently." Mm-hmm. You got the the doctor, the sheriff, the nurse, and you got one person from the family. Mm-hmm. It's like, this is what we going to say. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Just to make it clean and make it smooth. Things like that, I'm sure, still do happen in certain ways, Mm -hmm. but not as much. Part of like that, to me, is that trade-off and that humanity. Mm -hmm. Uh, So when when we think about these stories and, you know, to to the the grander scheme of these points Mm -hmm. and how things travel and and these emotions that we have, Mm -hmm. part of that... uh, humanity too i think comes from understanding some of those conditioned responses to these emotions mm-hmm. and and us as society looking to respond in certain ways mm-hmm. knowing that some of these traumas could be stirred up mm-hmm. you know mm-hmm. i turned on the tv the other day you know and i'm talking to mike you know and i'm sure most of you all if you all watch the news Mm-hmm. And it was like, it was three mass shootings today. And I'm like, mm-hmm. damn, what defines a mass shooting today? Like, yeah. is a mass shooting two people? Is it is it three people? Is it yeah. four? Like, what's going on? Is mm-hmm. it the subway shooting? I'm like, this is a part of American culture. Mm-hmm. How much, like, was it always a part of American culture? Mm-hmm. You know, and, and going along the lines of you saying anger, 
because anger is the, the to me that is the premise of violence. For sure. Anger and violence go hand in hand. Yeah, I need to erase this, <laughs> and then I can go back to feeling okay. <laughs> and and that and that basis mm-hmm. of things where we, where I definitely know we, I'm gonna say society in America, but mm-hmm. me included, have accepted violence as a, a reasonable response to. Yeah. Uh, to getting to peace. We watch mm-hmm. it in our conditioning in movies. Absolutely. I mean, war. You know Absolutely. what I'm saying? Like, you know, it's so many movies where it's like you kill somebody and then it's like, you know, it, it'll go like from a dark scene and then yeah. it'll light back up and the sun, the, the sky clears and yeah. it's like, wow, everything has changed. You know what I'm saying? Jo- Jody killed Snoop Dogg and and, 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 and now has the baby with your vet and everything's cool and, and all the traumas are over and that's all they needed to get rid of and now yeah. we have been through and it's like that's not the nah. real life nah. uh, what I've seen I know people that have hurt people that were never the same after hurting those people yeah you know yeah and, and, and some of the hurt I'm going to murder, but sometimes the hurt ain't even, it's not even an act like that. Mm-hmm. Sometimes it's a, it's a holding a person back from an opportunity. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, you know, people were in town and, and, you know, you know, it's like, Hey, who do you know? That's a, a great rapper or artist or whatever. And it's like, I don't know nobody. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I don't know nobody to tell you the truth. Man. Bring in people from New York. Yeah. You know, yeah. And then they carry it around on their heart. Yep. And then they, they're shaking hands with the person that they know. It's like, man, mm-hmm. this person would have loved this opportunity. Because yeah. to me, that's that's why yeah, it's your interview, but like in most of our, your interviews or some of my interviews, I talk a lot. <laughs> but that's my joy. It's like giving people an opportunity, it fulfills my cup. Because it's like, dope. Y'all I mean, dope. and that's into your point, man. Like, it's so many people that I've met that. When I first met them, they wasn't that kind to me. Mm. They they might have did or said some real not cool stuff. Mm-hmm. And my thing has always been, and this may sound crazy, to always see the newborn in everybody that I encounter. Mm-hmm. You know, like we see a baby, we get excited, we feel a sense of joy, we feel, feel a sense of gratitude, we feel a sense of love because we know that baby ain't done nothing to nobody. Mm-hmm. And I feel anybody that that's done anything to anybody has had something done to them that they weren't able to get out of. And for me, it's always a reminder that that baby, that pure loving baby that was in them that had the misfortune of having certain experiences that they shouldn't have had and ultimately becoming who they became, that baby still needs sustenance for, for, for that to emerge to the surface in that person. So it's like a lot of times, and we also live in a culture, it's like when somebody do something wrong, it's like, pull all love from this person. And it's like, they did the shit because they didn't experience enough love in the first place. You're not a a fan of cancel culture, my friend? You're not a fan of cancel? I mean, you know, 
does it look like it works? Maybe it does to some people, but you know, mm-hmm. I don't, I don't know if it does. But, but, but I, back to what I was saying though, like, I've had people be like that when they first dealt with me, and you know, I just continue to be present, understanding that, like, I'm not taking any of it personal because I know I'm completely present in the capacity of love. So basically what they're seeing is not me, they're seeing a projection. They're seeing a projection that they're projecting onto me to reinforce their ideas of how they need to protect themselves, right? So if I understand what their image of me that they're creating is not me, I I can continue to stay in the space of love and compassion with them, which is really, I feel what they what, what their heart needs to return to a place to be beyond doing those kinds of things to other people to get to a space of um you know whatever they security or whatever you know so and I've done that and I've watched people completely shift you know what I'm saying and and, and that's the thing man I think it's important like you were saying to give people an opportunity to be different you know, and because a lot of times, you know, like we've all experienced this too, like you ever see somebody get upset at somebody else because that person said something, but they don't realize how they talk to that first person in the first place to make that person respond in a way that they're not offended by, but you didn't realize the tone you used <laughs> with that person, and that's why the person... You know how, you know how long I spent in the underground Detroit hip-hop scene? That's like every day. Exactly. Like every day. Exactly. just the, the, the small the small back and forth because like all this all this masculine machismo or yeah. back and forth and it's yeah. like it's like no I signed the list at four and it, it you know I signed the list number like okay yeah. for most people that know when you sign yeah. a rap open mic list it's I guess in paying dues yeah. <laughs> you're gonna get bumped yeah. So like you may come in and sign the list like, all right, I want to go number 10 because that's that's what you're thinking. Like, mm-hmm. I want to go number 10. But you came early. You're there with your girlfriend, your homies. You know, I remember here's a classic story. I mm-hmm. remember back when um, you probably remember. You remember the Cotillion Club? Where was that at? It's like off like Finkel. Oh, you know, I'm an East Sider. I don't remember. OK, that. so. <laughs> So Mo Dirty had this show. Mo Dirty, a rapper it from was Mo uh, the Wolfpacker. Event? Yeah, from okay. Wolfpack. He had this yeah, show yeah. at the Cotillion Club. So I got my girlfriend. I, this is me, my story. <laughs> my girlfriend, my homies, and everything. I signed the list at yeah, t- yeah. For, for 10. We come early. We come at 9 o'clock. I don't get the opportunity to rap until 2 That's That's about right. <laughs> That's all right. You know, nobody was. It was like me. Mo Dirty wasn't even there. It was like me and the DJ. Mm-hmm. My girlfriend and my homies, like some of my homies that came from college and stuff like that. And mm-hmm. they like, man, when you going to rap? And I'm like, I-, I don't know. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. It's like, so I asked Mo Dirty and all of that stuff. They keep bouncing me down the list. JK was hosting and stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm just sitting there and it's like, wh- what's happening? So, yeah, usually one of the biggest arguments you always get is when you sign this list, when mm-hmm. you're supposed to rap, because other rappers with more cachet will come in and... Mm-hmm. They'll bump you. Yeah. Proof in the house. Yeah. Kari Frazier rapping ain't happening. Yeah. Because Proof is rapping. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Race 59 show up. Yeah. I mean, yeah, yeah. am I, I going to get the chance to touch the microphone? Bro, yeah. It's serious, too. Like, people, like, I've had the experience once of 
it turned into a shootout inside the spot because somebody didn't get to perform. <laughs> uh, yeah, I've seen, I've seen, <laughs> I've they, seen that too. And, and they 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 got fed up and they attacked the DJ and didn't realize the DJ had a gun under the, under the tables. <laughs> okay, well, what I saw was. <laughs> What I saw was like a a little bit of a different. It was the DJ that attacked. <laughs> it was the it was the other way around. <laughs> and that was that back. What was that? The um, what was that? The uh, man that that place is like eight mile and telegraph. It's a, but Wait, a lot of the that spots- was what, I was at. Was, <laughs> it was not Chino's, was it? No. Oh, that's where it was at. Because Papachino's is over there. That's where that's where this happened. Papachino. I never forget because it was it wasn't no exits either. It was just a little. It was like man, the vestibule in this place was like the vestibule in the bungalow. You know what mm-hmm. I'm saying? Like it's a little tiny. Yeah. Wasn't no back door or nothing. Everybody yeah. was just trapped. This wasn't the same place because they <laughs> did have a side door. So somebody, like I think one of the barmaids ran out the side door, and like just a classic, you know, uh, black fashion. Yeah. You know, we kept our eyes moving, but we moved, we scurried out, and then and then this is just so, and this is so weird, just in understanding of like guns and stuff. <laughs> it's still not to just run to your car either because yeah, it's like, okay, yeah. we don't know. It's like the parking lot is here. Yeah. Hence, we know that it's you, going to, yeah, yeah. It, th- this is going to happen go over here. So yeah. it's like, we're going to go in the opposite direction. Yeah. We'll come back to our vehicles yeah, yeah, yeah. after we assume things have died down yeah, yeah. and we see some type of blue and red lights. Yeah, 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 yeah for you sure. Know? Yeah, and then it's like, Two is like y'all trying to locate each other and stuff and like, cause I cause I remember I had a few homeboys they ran through the kitchen, <laughs> back door, but like everybody was trying to it was it was so terrible, bro. Yeah, and like people were literally coming out bloody and stuff. Like, it was crazy. Yeah, but but like yeah, and it's like it's like you you got to find all the people with you. You know what I'm saying? And, and, and like, but again, like this this is all cause somebody couldn't express themselves and and, and because even like with me um and then i remember that like as i was doing so many of the rap shows i do with con and and Mm -hmm. i love con you know Mm -hmm. what i'm saying the con can be i love con con can be hollywood as ever (laughs) but uh because con we had that same energy you know what i'm saying so so i will remember you know so i like to be the guy at the door for like most events i like to be at the the guy at the door and so much of that is just because i've been that person at the door when you see the guy show up or 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 you know a lot of times sometimes a female mc will come with or woman mc you know will come with like a real a whole crew of people Mm -hmm. people that ain't never seen them like this my first time performing they don't Mm -hmm. know like me first time performing they they holding the microphone they looking down at the stage they don't know how to hold a mic and they nervous and stuff and it's like i I, i've been there you know you're you're showcasing your talents this is something this is a a a cold cool experience so then it's like i can be the one to say look yeah i know you trying to go number seven if you put down seven, you're going to be performing at 145. <laughs> <laughs> Go yeah. on and put one, <laughs> and it'll work, okay? Yeah. You know, and then your people can see you, okay? Yeah. And then you you do good, I'll see you, yeah. and then I'll say you were good, and then you'll move up and further. And then if you if I think you're not doing good, then we'll talk, and I'll say, okay, all right, maybe you need to boost up your music a little bit. Mm-hmm. Uh, probably don't rap over the lyrics. Mm-hmm. You know, just little small notes mm-hmm. and tips because 
those first opportunities it's something about that that's just a different type of like you say the child's energy mm-hmm. it's like a di- it, it's like tapping into that a yeah. little bit and like then, yeah you know people that's not afraid to be bad at something they get good real fast <laughs> you know what i'm saying like like you know like when you concerned with how it's gonna look or how people gonna take it or whatever and like that restraint inhibits the growth mm-hmm. you know like you know that 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 kid that's gonna learn how to flip the fastest is gonna be the kid that ain't afraid to fall on his face mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I mean so I think so much is you know and, and that's that's one of the things I, I, I take into doing this and everything else that I do is like like understanding the, the 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 power in innocence and being able to open yourself up to uh and we've talked about this before but the unknown and being able to basically invite in that infinity that is the unknown and and be okay being in that space to where um yeah to where um you know like now you to me like you have access to like cosmic connections mm-hmm. when you cool with not knowing you know? i mean as you talk about like being cool with not knowing mm-hmm. that that unknown space that unknown energy is part of it's part of the 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 essence of of creativity Absolutely. because like sometimes you go in in your pat you have in your mind like okay it's going to be like this even with this podcast stuff like mm-hmm. you know we you know i go in and i think that the discussion is going to go here and then mm-hmm. sometimes it goes there like mm-hmm. you know oftentimes sometimes people be like you know give me some questions but ahead of time yeah. you know in my marketing work with clients sometimes yeah i do have pre-planned questions where that i'll give you but yeah. it's so tough in this space to know what i'm going to ask and where the conversation is going to go because it's it's not natural the yeah. creativity is where things go naturally uh you know in even yeah. my times of speaking more yeah. or silence more yeah yeah uh it's what was triggered. Like if I knew and I could telegraph everything, yeah. it would take away some of the fun of the whole yeah. experience. Creativity is like a baby. It's like once that baby is born, like I think we we our relationship to our creativity a lot of times is like that baby's born and we giving it a stethoscope. Like you're gonna be a doctor. Uh, we giving it a basketball before it could even like talk. Like you're gonna be a basketball player. You gonna once once that baby born your job is to advocate and support what it needs to become for itself and the creative act to me is essentially midwifing you know like it it don't matter like it's it don't matter what you want, but it's your job to bring it to tangibility in a way that it needs to be brought to tangibility, mm-hmm. you know? So, um, you know, like, it's going to show you certain things, like, you know, um, you know, uh, like Cliff was telling me, like, his partner's son, like, 
like when he he was a baby, like he just always loved cars. Mm-hmm. Like like when he he before he could talk, like when he see a car, like his face would light up. And to this day, like he could tell you to make a model with like all oh, he only like six or seven. But it's like get that boy everything about cars mm-hmm. <laughs> that he wants. Cause obviously his his creativity thrives in that space. Mm-hmm. You know. And I feel like it's that same thing. It's like, you know, the the DNA of what we're gonna look like was already determined in a lot of ways. You know what I'm saying? Like not necessarily like weight to the to the actual pound, but like but still, you know, like it was already predetermined, you know. It's just about a, a matter of it reaching tangibility. And I think it's the same thing with creativity. Like, like to me, it's always to serve what it needs to become. But what it becomes, when I, when I embrace what it needs to become versus, you know, it becoming what I needed to become, it becoming what I needed to become is never as inspiring, great to me, as when I just allow it to become what it needs to become. Because I'm surprised by it now. You mm. know what I mean? That's deep. So what what else? What else? What else you want to uh, explore in reference to this? Because I'm, I'm, I'm ready to see said show. I guess you can talk a little bit more about some of the pieces. But yeah, what's, yeah. yeah let's talk a little bit about some of the pieces. So a lot of the, a lot of the pieces in the show are, are exploring those ideas around identity and how we see ourselves. And so I actually did a, a series of portraits. And the funny thing about the portraits is you, none of the portraits except for one, you can see people fully. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I always think about the fact that basically a lot of times our identities have a compatible perception that mutes everything that isn't in accordance with what we need to think for our identities to persist. So like, you know, identity only allows us to see parts of people that serve our ideas about the world and who we are, Mm -hmm. right? So there's a constant muting that's happening. So, you know, like, it's like say somebody that used to, that's that's used to be treated, used to being treated poorly they could be treated wonderfully by someone and they're not paying attention to that person at all because it doesn't serve their identity. Does that make sense? I mean, it makes perfect sense. So I would, I would go as far as mm-hmm. saying like we we're it's the comfort in that. Like mm-hmm. it's, it's a comfort in however we see the world. Yeah. So like and every, if I see the yeah, world yeah. as, if I see the world as I'm a victim, then everyone's a victimizer. If I see the world as, right. you know, uh, right. the world lies to me, everyone's right. a liar. So right. Right. I'm I'm going to fulfill this narrative in a right. certain way right. because right. things outside of that narrative right. are that space where I'm uncomfortable. Yeah. You know, because now I have to redefine Mm-hmm. what that is or, or justify even right in that definition right. of things so right. i know oftentimes e- even in giving that i know people will be like all right you always talking a lot about race and and, and racism and sexism and mm-hmm. and other you know conditioning like yes I, i'm definitely speaking in 
in these shelves as you talk about. I gotta categorize things, mm -hmm. compartmentalize things. Hence, mm -hmm. those are the shelves we put our identity into. Right. But as much as I'm putting that into things, beyond that identity is a higher self that's a collective self that we connect with. For sure. So in yeah. understanding that, yeah. I'm fascinated. It, like the kid is with cars, I'm fascinated with people's stories mm -hmm. with the understanding of just the human dynamic of, of the angles of people see yeah. just to have a better understanding of that. That's me. Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm enthralled. So like my, like, my yeah. the best part of movies to me are dialogue yeah. and, and, and how characters even respond, even in silence sometimes oh, like yeah. that I'm enthralled with that. Yeah, yeah. You know, a good story, a good podcast, a yeah. good book, yeah. you know, like yeah. I can, it can capture me. Um, so with that, though, I'm mm. also understanding mm. that that these buckets exist, mm. but beyond the bucket mm. is a person's like stroke in that. Like if we're all fish in these ponds or whatever, like mm -hmm. how this fish swims, mm -hmm. you know, in certain vestiges that I'm making up in my marketing mind. So like, yeah. you know, if I meet you and then it's like, I learned a little bit about you of what you offer. Mm -hmm. And then even what you offer says a lot to me, mm -hmm. whether it's true or whether it's not true. So if you yeah. offer to me, I'm from Alabama, but I'm here in Detroit mm -hmm. because I came here with an engineering job from General Motors. Mm -hmm. You may only gave me a couple bits, mm -hmm. but me being who I am and all these other collective stories I've had about people, mm -hmm. I'm painting in the pictures a lot with that. You're black, you're from Alabama, mm -hmm. you're around you're, you're around 40 years old. That mm -hmm. means that you grew up definitely having a strong idea of what the Baptist church was at right. a point in time, probably like in the 80s. It mm -hmm. was a big shift around the 80s for what the black Baptist church is, especially when it came to women in leadership. Mm -hmm. So you have an idea of what women especially black women, yeah. <laughs> uh, their stance yeah. of, of what leadership in the black community looks like mm -hmm. under the whole idea back to like the power structure of, of the, the, the career woman mm -hmm. and, and especially in the black community having assets and then these men holding on to the vestiges of what existed before and these right. arguments. So right. that alone, when I talk to that black guy from Alabama that's here in Detroit, in Michigan it, for an engineering job, mm -hmm. his, perspective of life right. comes with all of that to me For all sure. within like a five minute understanding For now sure. whether he respects the 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 old school adage of men supposed to run everything or mm -hmm. no nah, my mama was right she should have definitely been a deacon and i understand why we stopped going every sunday because bop 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 he still has an idea of what that argument means mm -hmm. the same way that if you're black and you're from detroit or really let's even go further if you're from michigan mm -hmm. this area of michigan you have a different concept of the relationship between uh, the strength of what a person uh, of what. Do I want to say labor or work? Yeah, let's say that what what being an employee, quote mm -hmm. unquote, is mm -hmm. only in Michigan. Have I met people that feel like, no, nah, if we work, we should get this, 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 and this, and this. Mm -hmm. And I don't even think a lot of people here understand that mm -hmm. comes from the background of a labor movement right, that right. was so existent and growing for right, years. Right. So like when, when Michiganders go to places like Arizona yeah. and they start talking, I ain't doing this for this and da 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 da. Yeah. And the rest of the staff starts looking at them like, what are you talking about? Yeah. This, you know what I'm saying? Yeah. 
it, yeah, it's yeah. like a different view. And then the furthermore, when Michiganders quote unquote get a good job, there are our our preconditioned belief of staying at mm. a good job yeah. versus like when I talk to the people I know from New York, I mean, people I know in New York, it's like, yeah, they was paying $300,000 a year, but I don't give a damn. Kiss my ass. <laughs> Whereas people in Michigan are like, what are you <laughs> talking about? Like, oh, oh, for 300000 like, oh. you, you know what I'm saying? Like, you know, I yeah. mean, because a Michigander, you know, your uncle, your aunt, your mom, your dad, yeah. Your yeah, kids, yeah. you know, the people from the church that you ain't talked to for forever that sent you money for you to go to college is yeah. going to get on the phone and be like, <laughs> I heard you thinking about leaving that job over there in New York. I'm just saying, you know, sister, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, that doesn't happen if you from New York. Yeah. New Yorkers is like, yeah, hell yeah, hell yeah, shut. Leave yeah. that shit. They yeah. don't need you. You do something better. You yeah. do something bigger. You can get to Houston. They really getting them ins down there. It's like, it's a whole different yeah. orientation yeah. so like but all of this is coming from these collective conversations and having a, a cultural competency for yeah, these backgrounds like, stuff, like even you saying that made me think about i was just talking to somebody that moved here from the bay oh man and they were talking about they had six roommates yeah and like as a michigander it's like what <laughs> yeah it's like what are you talking about <laughs> what are no. you talking about whereas in the bay it's like it's, it's like we was looking for we was looking for seven and eight <laughs> you know what i'm saying like like we was looking for seven and eight it was yeah. cool man like, you know yeah. i only had to cook once a week exactly you know what i'm saying exactly. son like or, or what would they say boy boy or you know all, the, all that bay language yeah, it's a whole, I mean. <laughs> yeah exactly like i was only cooking once a week you know what i'm yeah. saying it was cool you yeah. know whereas like yeah the way that our, our perspective of like you know spacing timing uh like so much adds to that cultural competency and we're still individuals in this but our our individual journey mm -hmm. through it mm -hmm. starts adding to the pieces that makes life so much cooler i think than what it is mm -hmm. you know mm -hmm. um so it's you know these these stories but that identity i don't think we can still even marry ourselves right. to i'm defined by this person from east oakland mm -hmm. or in detroit mm -hmm. or new york or yeah. being be, like definitely blackness is is high in my perception of the yeah. world but who i am as an individual supersedes my blackness mm -hmm. you know yeah yeah so it's not like my blackness supersedes my individuality right you know right the 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 individual experience in this blackness mm -hmm. i think in some ways ushers in through stuff like detroit is different mm -hmm. uh, i in 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 a way to 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 have a different perspective of what blackness is exactly and 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 i think really what it's about is creating platforms for compassion mm -hmm. and, and understanding, you know, like it's, it, that's the thing. It's like, if, if you live in a way in which you don't have an opportunity to be intimate with people unlike yourself, then where is the compassion developed to see yourself in them? Mm -hmm. you, you dig what I'm saying? Like, like for people to understand because really it's, it's, it's it, you know I, I look at it like you know like it's like being in art class and we would have a table in the middle of the class and it would be like a basket of fruit and we're doing a still life and so everybody is drawing a basket of fruit 
the same basket of fruit. But if you look at everybody's picture, it's different because everybody's sitting in a different seat to where they have a different perspective of the exact same object. Mm -hmm. So imagine if one of those kids went to somebody else and looked at theirs and like, no, that's all wrong. That's not the way that, that's not where the banana was and, and the pear was. That's, that's wrong. And it's like, no, like sit where I'm sitting. Mm -hmm. <laughs> You'll see like, mm -hmm. oh, it wasn't until I sat where he was sitting that I saw like, yeah, this was the arrangement of the same objects I was drawing from his perspective. And, and that's also the, it's it's like, I guess, like I say, that's the trade off of blackness in America. Because mm -hmm. we've developed as, you know, Patrice O'Neill would say, like, being black and Chris Rock always says, like, mm -hmm. being black, you have to learn a lot about whiteness in America. Oh, absolutely. We know it to well. Navigate, <laughs> to navigate. But being white, you don't have you to don't learn have to. anything you about blackness. To. Yeah, yeah. Or you can you can stop short yeah, at, yeah. at many, you know, like, you can and stop perhaps, at, in and, many ways. And, per, and perhaps, too, and I, I would say especially in latter years, like, it's probably not encouraged or wanted that you come to understand blackness because then you can continue to be as you are, mm -hmm. you know, because the understanding of it may shift how you define yourself in your identity exactly. of whiteness of that rugged yeah. individual that exactly. picked yourself up by your bootstraps. Right. Nobody ever gave you nothing. Right. You earned everything and right. you're and you're smart and you and you right. and you're you're efficient and 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 you're supposed to be in this position. And yeah. you look at those people across the street and you think yeah. that they're just some lazy, shiftless people that have mm -hmm. had a heck of an opportunity yeah. in the greatest country on earth. And if you can't make your way and be like the the great yeah. uh uh Herman Cain yeah. And, 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 <laughs> and Clarence Thomas, then what is going on with these people? What is going on with these people? Yeah. You know, they can't they can't be like Stephen A. Smith. You know what I'm saying? And, <laughs> <laughs> and why are that? It's them. Yeah. It's them. They made it. Yeah. Why can't you be like them? You know, right. Gail King made it. Why can't you? Right. You know, yeah. And I made it and nobody ever gave me nothing. You right. know what I'm saying? Like, but the more you understand that perspective, mm -hmm. like you, you know, you, you can and can't even do a deep dive. Like one of my, you know, as as it's so commonplace, especially now here, mm -hmm. hence that's where the South, I think, sometimes is a little bit more. I understand the South a little bit more because it's so more so much more overt mm -hmm. the systemic racism, mm -hmm. you know. Whereas mm -hmm. here it's so covert, mm -hmm. where you start questioning it, it almost drives you crazy. It's the yeah. subjectivity of art, like you know, you're like, man, okay, so the, I didn't get the loan from the bank because mm -hmm. I didn't have this paperwork, and they said you got to have an account established with the bank for at least a year and a half, and you mm -hmm. got to have seven people vouch for what your credit rating means. So, okay, I just didn't do all of that. So as soon mm -hmm. as I get all that stuff in order, I'm good. Mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. whereas like in certain places, it's just like, we don't give them your kind. And it's mm -hmm. like, thank you. <laughs> thank you. 
Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's not nothing going on in the back of my mind where I'm thinking, okay, maybe I'll just go go back, work on this paperwork, mm-hmm. get everything signed up. You know, here you go. It's like, oh, we just changed the program or we got a special program for people in your situation. Yeah, it's yeah. a it's an onboarding program. It's a yeah. it's a it ain't a loan. Yeah. It's a getting you ready to get a loan. And if you go through all of this, <laughs> then yeah, we'll take you consider you for that. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And you're like, all right, thank yeah. you. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna figure this out. This is good. thank you. Yeah. You, you understand. Yeah. And then you go back and it's like, all right, so this program, you didn't finish that well. And you're like, is yeah. this just yeah. Like, yeah. Do it make sense to do this? Yeah, or, yeah. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then and then the guy that was like, we don't serve your kind, you don't have to be disappointed by him anymore because you know what it is. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, I don't even want it from him. So you know, you know like yeah, yeah. you know what I'm saying. Like yeah, yeah. it's so, <laughs> it's so. Like when we, when we think of of the design of so much of this, mm-hmm. you know, and that's exactly what it is. It's mm-hmm. a design. Yeah, and yeah. It, and it's as you know, I, I I always say this: America was designed for. Preferably middle aged, and when I say middle aged, meaning like white men between the ages of thirty five and and fifty five years old, that own businesses and property. Mm-hmm. Um, it, the 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 tragedy of this being black in America is we were part of that property and business for sure at one point in time. So the further you get away from being that, the further away it's designed. Mm-hmm. You know, I usually give the oil change example, but I mean, I don't know what an example I can use now. Like you can use, you know, you can use a knife as a screw as as a screwdriver, mm-hmm. but it's not designed to do that. Right. You know, so you're right. going to hit some screws that it's just like. Right. It ain't going to work. Right. Right. For sure. For sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I don't know what else to offer. Uh, I, we we kind of had more of a philosophical discussion, <laughs> but it's gonna be like that with Sterling Toes. But uh, how long is the show going? W- when should people see it? Um, how do people see it? Like, is it? Do I gotta pay to get in? Oh no, it's uh, free. It's 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 free to the public. Um, it's up until June twelfth. Okay. Uh, you know, and uh, it's it's open uh, Thursday, Friday. Till five o'clock and Saturday, Sunday till eight o'clock. Okay. What time um, does it open? I don't know, but I don't be up that early, so I don't even okay, remember. So like what. ten o'clock or twelve o'clock? It's like nine or ten or something like okay, that. Okay, so it's the morning. <laughs> so I can I can start my morning with with the art of Sterling. Yeah, Collins. I won't be there, but yes. You won't. <laughs> are you gonna Are you gonna sit in there often, like just to see who pulls up, or what you gonna like? What's what what do you do when you have a showing? Like, do you just pull up like every other weekend or something? I mean, you know, probably just you know, like certain people. Uh, you know, uh, like somebody just hit me up the other day, like, "Hey, I want to help." I'm like, "It's already up," and so they're like, "Let's do a walkthrough." So I'm gonna walk through them with it. You know, is it like and the so, Motown Museum? Are you gonna do like a tour? Like, do we get to dance? Or is it an interactive, my friend? What you mean interactive? You ever been on a Motown tour? No. Oh man, I'm about to pay for you. I'm a Detroiter. I'm gonna pay for you. Pay for you. you should do, all Detroiters, you should do that, and not uh, don't wait for your family reunion to come to town to do it. Uh, do it, nah, bro. 
I want to say it's like eight dollars. You know, yeah, no, nah, I ain't done that. Okay, you know, East Side is barely even go to Bella, bro. You here know we go. Like here we go. That's the challenge. <laughs> That's the challenge. That's the but um, no, it's up. I mean, it's 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 two installations and and paintings and so I mean, it's it's comprised of my music, my paintings, my sculptures, uh, my my video work. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, you know it, it's it's all kind of like posed the design to pose that question like what are we truly you know um, and I want to say too like one of the the, the working uh, I, for lack of a better term philosophies of, of this whole process to me is like I don't say it's not even philosophy but like the sentiment of it is like just as matter is essentially slow down energy, uh, identity is essentially slow down spirit. Hmm. And, um, you know, so, you know, it, it, it was something that, it was funny, like, I, I, you know, I said I would do it because I like the idea of having a space where people can come visit me work in the process of creating. And um, I feel beautiful that it, it prompted a lot of really deep, intimate conversations, man, that really informed the work. Because um, I was I was creating as people were coming and visiting me. Um, so I very much feel like their presence is, is very much a part of the work, you know. And and not only that, like their spirit and, and what they experienced and and. and you know, so it, it's. I feel like it's a very intimate thing, and you know, and it's it's, it's so crazy because, like, you know, I realize, you know, just it's interesting for me to be put in these positions, and I want to say this too. Like, like I was saying earlier, I never intentionally um, have ever made efforts to end up in a particular place or a particular setting. Um, a lot of times for me, it's like creating authentically and sincerely for my wholeness and, and my well-being to where I gather inspiration and joy from the process to where I could be completely in the capacity of love when I reach people and not need anything from them, but be present to give. And so I've always embraced where my work did or didn't end up because of that approach. And so it's kind of interesting that, like, you know, the more I kind of move in a direction opposite of being visible, the more people seem to choose me to share or make visible what I'm doing without me trying to be seen or heard. You know, because, you know, my M.O., you know me, my M.O. has always been only speak when when you ask me to. (laughs) You know what I'm saying? So to me, like, I think it's beautiful in the sense that, like, I think there is a a resonance to, and I wanted to talk about that earlier, like, I think there's a resonance to you embracing who you truly are to where, like, that's actually 
to me, a modality of collective healing, embracing who you are. Because then you don't need to, other people to embrace you, and so the energy you put out isn't to, 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 to grab energy from other people. The energy you put out is actually giving, right? So, you know, it's, it's just dope, man, to, like, you know, uh, be able to, like, to see that, like, when you serve your truth and your purpose, the best things always happen, you know. And, like, it's so many people, you probably experience this, like, like being a rapper. But, like, you ever met a rapper that was, like, naturally dope? And, like, they may have, like, a real dope voice, but it's different. And then they may be just kind of starting off or new to it, and they get in the booth, and they trying to sound like somebody else, and you like, man, like, his natural voice is so dope. Why is he trying to, like, make it sound like this person or that person or whatever? Mm-hmm. And to me as a producer, the biggest thing was always to kind of, like, get that person to a place where they're being 100% them. You know what I mean? Like, like to where how they do it is truly in alignment with who they are, you know? You know, like, is you know, it's like, it's like the thing with Bodie. It's like when people get around Bodie, they're like, oh, they get the records. Like, yeah, that's, <laughs> mm-hmm. that's who he is. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. that's how, you know, like, he, that's him, you know? And um, I think that that's it, too, like, you know, because, you know, we've had conversations about, you know, uh, artists wanting to get to a particular place or platform or whatever. And to me, like, I don't think it's important to be concerned with that, you know, Um, because I I think at the end of the day, like, people respond to, like, sincerity, you know. So... Yeah, I I think, you know, the greatest thing that you can do is not try to be great. Just be you, you know. And that energy of self-acceptance, to me, in actuality, is the energy of healing, you know. And that's the thing. We don't fully accept ourselves, so... We can do so much to be accepted by others and then get disappointed or angered when that doesn't happen. But the thing is, like, to make contact with the way of creating that was truly designed for your spirit to articulate, to me, unlocks a reality that is as beautiful as as your pure expression. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I, I don't, I say do it. It don't matter who see it or who don't see it, do it. You know? Because the truth is, the most important thing is that you see yourself in the process. You know? And, um, you know, like, growing up, like, the greatest ball players I knew never made it to the league. Because mm-hmm. they went in school and they was probably hustling. But, <laughs> but, like, but like they was killing the dudes that was, mm-hmm. 
you know, in the public school league. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. But you know, uh, you know, I, I think like it's about you finding out within yourself for you. You know? Yeah. The, definitely, definitely. Um, powerful as always. It's the toes. <laughs> so uh, check out the exhibit at the MoCAD in Detroit uh, through June 12th, uh, weekends. We know close early on Thursdays and Fridays, but Saturday and Sunday you can get there till 8. I assume you can have a classic Detroit day. It'll snow in the day. I don't expect to be snowing that much longer while this exhibit is going on. So you can uh, hop that good old Q line. Uh, I've never been on or that. Or you either. can uh <laughs> or you can go on and hit a stroll <laughs> through uh through through those oh, the, parts. Oh real quick, the opening event is uh this Friday too. Yep. So yep. uh the twenty second from six to nine. He will be there for that. Yeah, I got to. Yeah. 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 So thank you so much. <laughs> Peace, Brody. Detroit is Different is where you get information, artistry, history, music, and even comedy. Detroit is Different, a home for the culture of Detroit. Visit online at DetroitIsDifferent.com today.